Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Monday, November 4th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 339 featuring Boston Globe Celtics writer Adam Himmelsbach is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag and use the promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% bonus. Well, Celtics fans, if you were feeling pretty good after a 2-1 and start when we had our last show, you must be feeling great after a couple more wins. Welcome into another Celtics beat. Kaufman with you. Seas, of course, rallied from down 19 to shock the Bucks at the Garden, one by 11. 30-point turnaround if you don't feel like doing math. And then Boston goes out, beats New York for the second time on Friday, albeit not as easily as that first time at Madison Square Garden or as easy as it probably should have been. Nevertheless, a win. Marcus Morris had his revenge game, almost 30 points. Jason Tatum buried the winning jumper just before the buzzer. And those two, it's it's mutual admiration society for those guys. You know, he's more patient, he's more calm, you know, way more aggressive. You know, I told him when I was here, only it's only two people can guard him in the league, and I'm one of them. Other was my brother. He been telling me that since the first day I got to the Celtics. That <laughs> only two people can go at me, him and his brother. Uh, I mean, that's my man. But he full of <laughs> Let's bring in Boston Globe Celtics beat writer Adam Himmelsbach, good friend of the show. What's up, man? How are you? What's up, Adam? How's everything going? Oh, good. You know, I think you'd agree. It's nice to have actual games to talk about now after a long summer of just Hot take, hot take, hot take, and then of course preseason. Yeah, real so now, games. yeah, we got real stuff to focus on. So that moment, not the shot, but the moment. How big was that for Jason Tatum in your estimation? Well, it's funny people actually ask him that. Like, what does it? What does this mean to you? Is this kind of a big thing for you to have in your career? And he kind of shrugged and said, "I mean, it was cool, but the people I look up to in this league do this all the time." And he, it was it's matter of fact for them and he mentioned Kemba as one of those people and he goes that's the point I want to get where people aren't like wow Jason Tatum hit a game winner and people talk about it for a week it's like all right Jason Tatum hit a game winner and now the next one could come in two days and he would like to get to that point regularly ordinarily and I'm going to play you a couple of cuts here ordinarily you would think that Kemba Walker obviously would be tasked to take a shot like that but he said he was thrilled Tatum made the most of his opportunity man that kid is so talented I'm happy for him, and I'm happy he made that shot. That was a huge, big-time shot, and I'm um, happy we went to him. Hopefully that you know, keeps him confident. That can really just get something going for us. You know, that was an unbelievable play. 
So this question, it's not intended to slander Kyrie Irving. I'll be much more direct when I do that. When you hear Kemba there or you hear him here after a Bucks comeback. We're not going to shy away when things go wrong. You know, we're going to win as a team and we're going to lose as a team. No one thinks they're going bad. No one thing. I'm going to try my best to do it just to keep us together. That's, that's, that's the most important thing um, for this year. You know, tonight was a great example of that. As someone who basically lives around this team, how big a contrast is that from what the last year was like? Is there just a different feel being around this group? So there's definitely a different feel. The thing with Kyrie is there were there were people forget there were a lot of good moments. I know it's so easy to forget that now. Um, you look back and there's like an assumption that every day here is miserable with Kyrie. Like Kyrie had huge games. There were big wins. There were statements like that, you know, that had people feeling good. It's more the ending just turned so sour. Um, and also it's worth pointing out that we're five games into the season. Like, of course, you know, when you're four and one, everything's going great. Having said all of that, there's no question that Kemba just has like a different way about him. And that's not necessarily like even a knock on Kyrie. But Kemba is just more of an easygoing guy who, you know, of course he wants to score his points and hit game winners like anybody else does. But I truly don't think like, if if Jason had missed that shot, I truly don't think like it would have bothered Kemba. He would have said, all right, that was the right play. Whereas you saw last year when that shot was missed, Kyrie was upset. I do want to talk a little bit about Kyrie. We'll do that later because I know people are understandably more excited about what's happening in Boston, not obsessing over what's happening in Brooklyn. That's good. That's the way it should be. And you wrote 11 thoughts about this four and one start. And I like, by the way, that you guys have started to do more of that stuff in the globe. I, I just, I like seeing the observations from you, from Gary Washburn, you know, guys that, that know what you're talking about. So keep doing that stuff. Not that you probably have a choice in the matter, but, uh, this team. Thanks for the plug, bro. Yeah, well, it's it's important. You know, I, I think uh, people should be knowing where to read, obviously, and, and you know, among the best people that uh, that do it on the beat. So, whatever, I, I don't need to keep blowing smoke. This team has won its last four, and, uh, you know, heading into this three-game trip now, it's going to take them to Cleveland, to Charlotte, San Antonio. Frankly, it should be at least a two-in-one swing, I think. I think most people would agree with that. But currently, Boston is tied for the third best record in the NBA, of course, as you said, after five games. Would you consider them among the best handful of teams in this league, or are we just seeing a nice start? Yeah, you know, it's it's so hard to say. I think the, if you're a Celtics fan, you feel good about the fact that it seems pretty clear that they're not going to be bad. Because I think there was some concern when you look like they don't have a very deep bench. You know, you don't know. Who knows what Kemba, like Kemba's scored a lot of points over his career. He's such a high usage guy and his shooting statistics haven't always been great. You know, like when you look at this team now, after these five games, you know, this team's going to be good. Like by season end, it would be stunning. I think at this point, if they're like worse than the number four seed in the East. And I think that's what should give Celtics fans some peace. Uh, I don't think you look at these five games and go, okay, we're a title contender right now. I don't think they are that right now. Have you come away, though, thinking, and again, very small sample size, but overall feel and, and play and the comeback versus the talented Bucks, who should be a one or two seed in the East and all of that stuff, do you come away feeling like their ceiling is higher than maybe you thought it was when the season began? Yeah, that could be fair to say. I think I said this to a few people the other day, like the, the past couple of weeks have felt a little more like those like peak Isaiah Thomas times mm -hmm. where... A, like no matter how much a team was down, you're like, all right, they're going to start scrapping and they're not going to wilt. Whereas the last couple of years, sometimes you would see if there was a big deficit, guys 
their shoulders would sag and like, all right, let's do this again tomorrow or in two days. This team is, is a little back to that Brad Stevens identity, it seems. Again, I, like, I feel like we should – I don't want to have to put a disclaimer every time, but I'll put one disclaimer now, and what people will think it's for the rest of the show. <laughs> Fair we played enough. five games. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, they do have that kind of – I don't know. It seems like ability to fight back from any deficit and, will, and more importantly, will not stop playing hard, which is what Brad Stevens wants. And then also, even if you look at – Jason's game winner the other night, like you mentioned, like the Knicks are, to- are terrible, but still Celtics played an ugly game, but they still found a way at the end. Whereas maybe the last couple of years, when those situations happened, they've had some unlucky bounces. Now things maybe are shifting back in their direction. Well, I think if we're to simplify it in, in a lot of different ways, and this is something I spent a lot of time talking about going into last season, not as, not as a prediction. I, I certainly didn't think it would come true, but, but as my biggest fear about that team and, unfortunately wound up came into fruition it's the give a bleep meter you know that was the thing that was so consistent with the early brad teams here that consistently overachieved even if they weren't good teams and and fell short of the playoffs they overachieved from what you thought they were on paper because they tried so damn hard and obviously like you said that was a a real staple of those teams that were headed by Isaiah Thomas. But, you know, year one of Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, not, I just say on the roster, Gordon didn't play. But, you know, I, I think you could look at that and say that was still there. But again, it was, it was this, this group of underdogs trying to prove everybody wrong after their best players go down to injury. Last year, the give a bleep meter was, was so low on a night to night basis. So it feels like that's, that's what we've turned the clock back to. It's, it's yeah, you could say scrappy overachievers, and, and maybe that'll be the case. But I I just think they're going out there and they're actually trying hard consistently. Yeah, I think the the, the issue last year was after that run they went on without Kyrie and Gordon, the swagger level got too high. Like mm-hmm. guys like Terry Rozier thought they were obviously deserving of playing time and also like ascending stars, and it was kind of like, all right, we are so talented right now, we don't need to try as hard. We, we can we can kind of be like, you know, maybe the Warriors and kind of take it easy through the regular season and then just kick everyone's butt in the playoffs. Like, look how good we are when that was clearly not the case. Like, they've gotten to this point under Brad Stevens um, with a lower talent level, but when they had the Jay Crowders, the Avery Bradleys, like the dudes, Isaiah Thomas, like every single night we're just going to grind until the end. That was kind of the foundation of this franchise. And it feels like the Celtics front office is very aware of that, and they're made a real effort to try to get back to that like i can't remember how many times in the off season where danny ainge would talk about like bringing in like good character guys and and they're you know guys like grant williams guys like carson Edwards, they're pretty high on already um trying to really trying to return to that that core that had they had success with and also that they enjoyed and they felt good about the way they were playing let's get into some of your thoughts from that uh, 11 thoughts column that i mentioned because there are a few that that stood out to me things that i've been thinking a little bit about as well the uh the fact that and you mentioned this earlier that boston's just it's really top heavy this year and maybe down the line that bites them in terms of talent if they sustain any serious injuries there have been some injuries early on but you know not to the extent of of tatum going down or kemba going down you know it's it's brown missing a couple of games with illness it's you know some of the bigs that have been a little bit banged up but managing egos mentally knowing roles the importance of those things is this actually maybe a positive for this team as compared to last year when you know you could justify eight or nine different guys in that rotation starting on a given night yeah i think there's no question like that that will make brad stevens job a lot easier this year he looks and 
down the end of the bench, you see Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Robert Williams, like none of those guys is going to be chirping to the media and saying, I deserve to be playing 30 minutes a game. Uh, and I, again, the, like I mentioned in my story right now, Gordon, Kemba and Jason, I think are the three are in the top 25 in the NBA minutes per game. And Brad generally has never been a guy to play his guys, big minutes. He's always very aware of kind of the wear and tear of a season and, and also giving guys opportunity and things like that. And he said, even like, look, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to keep those down. But Jalen's absence kind of called for him to do that because he realized like, we're probably not going to beat the bucks if these guys aren't playing and we're going deep into the end of the bench. And sure enough, that's what it took. Um, so I think it will make his job a little easier as it goes on. You're going to see those guys. You're going to see Marcus Smart. You're going to see Jalen Brown, like playing probably, I would bet all, aside from Kemba, who's played big minutes already in Charlotte throughout his career. I would guess all those guys are at career highs. So you said chirping about minutes, and I agree with you. The guys that you mentioned, they're not going to be doing that, at least not at this stage of their career, certainly not this season. I spent some time with Sean Grandy on the show last week, and one of the things that, that I've wondered about this team and asked him about is whether Boston's big men could be a, a fatal flaw down the line if Danny Ainge doesn't go ahead and make a move. And you noted in your column it's going to be interesting how the C's work Ennis Cantor back in when he's healthy because he doesn't really fit with the floor-spacing, rim-attacking wings. But will he stay as cheery as he's been, uh, you know, that glue guy that he, that he prides himself on being, if he's suddenly coming off the bench behind Daniel Tice on a regular basis and and barely playing because he doesn't necessarily fit into the schemes that Brad's running out there. See, that's the, I don't think um, his minutes necessarily will be all that lower than maybe even he was expecting. Like he's never been like a 35 minute guy sure. much of his career anyway. Um, and I think he'll be okay if he is mostly coming off the bench. That doesn't seem like something that would really bother him. If it gets to the point, like you mentioned, if he's playing, seven or eight minutes a game or is out of the rotation altogether, he could be a guy that could speak up and be like, hey, I didn't come here for this. Um, but I think they – look, they still are going to have a need for a guy who can get down and tussle for awesome offensive rebounds and get putbacks and things like that. So he he will still have value on this team. I think it's more that Brad will be aware of the groupings he's with. Do you see – and I'm, I'm overstating this question, but do you see Brad maybe finding a certain success in, in small ball, obviously, as so many people have talked about, and – and almost kind of abandoning the center position, you know, almost go, you know, full warriors from from when and clearly they were more talented, but from this dynasty that appears to be over for Golden State at this point, you know, really going with your guards, with your wings, not worrying about who your big is or even necessarily having a big out there, a true big, and just sort of hope for the best. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the Celtics are not in any way isolated in that view. Like you look, if you watch League Pass, you know, on a, on a random given night, you'll see plenty of teams where, like, the tallest player on the court is six six hmm. during a stretch. Um, you know, they're obviously they're going to need guys like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum to rebound and kind of attack uh, the glass, which they've done a pretty good job of so far. But there's no question, and, and Brad said this: like his five best players are those four starters and Marcus Smart. And if it's crunch time and there's a chance for you to have your five best players on the court together and there's a way to do it sustainably, like, why would you not be like, okay, I know this guy is better than this guy, but we could really use a little more size right now. You know, certainly there will be times where they need to that size, <laughs> but there's no way that that's going to kind of dissuade Brad from experiment, not, not even experimenting, but going to these groups for longer stretches um, and just kind of unfurling them. Be like, all right, this is our, 
here's our best five, and let's let them get out there and run together. We'll get right back to Himmelsbach, but want to tell you, this show brought to you by BetOnline.ag. In the football season, it is half over. Kind of crazy. Time's flying right by. I don't know how we got to November, but you can get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, BetOnline.ag. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to start betting college or professional ball. Every spread, every total, every winner, every loser, straight bet, parlay, tease your way through the season, whatever it is, you can even make wild prop bets, like who's going to win MVP. Will the Bengals ever win a game? Of course, we know the Dolphins somehow finally did. Guess it only took the Jets. Will the Niners run the table? That's the only unbeaten left. Patriots blew it in Baltimore in that regard, and... Give the Ravens their due. Very, very good football team there. Maybe a preview of the AFC Championship game or somewhere along the line in the playoffs. Get the fastest to market odds, updates, and payouts with our new sportsbook partners, betonline.ag. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Let's get back to the show. One issue last year, and collectively for the team, among many, I guess, but on the floor, was they had a hell of a time getting to the free throw line. Even Kyrie, who drives the rim as as well as anybody, was down at 3.7 attempts per game. You wrote, and I think it's really grabbed people's attention, especially the last couple of games when the numbers have really been inflated. Kemba Walker is averaging 8.2 attempts per game. He's hitting about 93% of those at the free throw line. But is that sustainable, you think? Yeah, my guess is he won't stick at 8.2, but I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he hits his career high for free throws per game, which would be like, you know, seven or something like that. Uh, He's a guy that can probe and get in the paint and draw contact and having so many other, like, good players. Kemba's never been surrounded by offensive weapons like Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, you know, increasingly as Jalen Brown's offensive game develops that's just going to open things up for him that really have never been there before uh defenses aren't going to key on him like they have been able to in the past and and i think you're going to see you know i wouldn't be surprised if his three-point percentage is at a career high i wouldn't be surprised if free throw attempts are at a career high when the year end getting back to tatum because you know you bring up threes and free throws i think we got to talk about jason tatum a little bit you wrote last season 16.5% 16.5% of Tatum's points came on mid-range jumpers. That number's dipped to 5.6% through the five games. 37% of his shot attempts are three-pointers. That's up from 30% a year ago. For the sake of giving people some more numbers and just digging a little bit deeper on this thing, the efficiency isn't necessarily where you want overall. He's taken 20 shots a game, which to me is is even a little bit higher than I would want him at. But certainly if he's going to be at that total, you want more efficiency. And he's only making 40% right now. And and it speaks to how poorly he's shooting twos because, for the most part, he's hitting his threes. He's hitting about half of those. And and maybe most concerning or, or irritating, quite frankly, is only 75% of his freebies are going in. And he's only getting there three times a game. So do you expect those numbers to improve, the the raw shooting percentage and, obviously, free throws, attempts, and success there? Yeah. See, like personally, if, like, if, if I'm Brad Stevens, I'm fine with him taking 20 shots a game. There's an argument that could be made that he's your best offensive player, your most dynamic offensive player. Obviously, Kemba would have a big say in that discussion, too. But Jason Tatum's like a rising star. I think right now he's doing a really good job at attacking and trying to get to the rim, and he's actually getting there, but he's he's not quite finishing. And that's an issue for him in the past as well. Uh, you're seeing he's talked about a little bit. He's trying. He's adding a little bit of a floater to his game, almost experimenting with it. If he gets more comfortable with that shot, that little like you know six foot runner in the lane, 
And the bigger thing really is just is at the rim when he gets there, putting it down. I think I don't have the stat in front of me, but I think he's made like half of his layups. And obviously, you'd want a, a higher number on that figure. Handful of games, I think we've seen up and down play in terms of the numbers, not performance, but in terms of the numbers from Gordon Hayward. That's not at all surprising because again. There's a lot of balanced offensive talent on this team. Hayward's not going to go out and, and put up 25 every game. He's not going to put up 20 every game. He, you know, his, he's going to be down around 15 some games, and he's but he's going to be a great playmaker. He's going to be a, a terrific two-way player, all of that. In the first handful, I think the thing that really jumps out to me and to most probably is is just the confidence, you know, not just in himself, but in his body physically he's not thinking about how he's going to land after attacking the rim or something like that when he's out there what you've seen so far how do you feel versus maybe what you expected coming into the year after all the hype over the summer yeah sometimes with Gordon I feel like for his Boston tenure like the fact that he was an all-star was like not a good thing Mm -hmm. you hear the sentence so much like when's he gonna get back to his all-star form you know he he did make an all-star team once in the Western Conference like kind of basically a last selection. He had a good season, but he was never a guy that you viewed as like this perennial nonstop all-star. So I think people are expecting this when they, when they hear that, they're like, all right, let's get this superstar out there. Gordon's a really, really good player. He'll probably make a couple more. Well, he could make a couple more all-star teams. Um, But I think what you're seeing from him is kind of who he is. And that's like really good. Like the things he's doing. Um, There's no question that his confidence level is way higher uh, part of that, I hate to bring up Kyrie again, but I think there's no doubt, and not just with Gordon, you see it with Jalen and Jason too. When Kyrie was around, like there was always this worry. It's like when you're playing with your big brother that you're going to mess up and he's going to yell at you, or like your big brother is way more talented or more talented than you are, and you're like, okay, well he should be doing this. I'm just going to stand off to the side. When he's gone now, all these other guys realize, like, okay, like I'm free to kind of do what I know I'm good at now without any other concerns. And then you have the injury issues. There's no question that throughout most of last season, if not all of it, Gordon was tentative. Like he would get into the paint sometimes and then he would kind of shy away from contact or think about his ankle. And he would tell us that that seems to be gone now. Uh, he's a big physical guy. Like some people don't realize kind of how big and, and kind of physically Gordon can play when he's right. And you're seeing that now. And obviously the Celtics. We're glad to see that and are looking forward to more of that. Listen, I don't mind you bringing up Kyrie. In fact, uh, I, I don't know if you've uh, if you've wisened up to muting me or something on Twitter at this point. Maybe you haven't, but if Not you, yet. yeah, well, you probably should because I've I've basically turned into a, it seems like a, a Kyrie Irving Stan account. <laughs> Just you know, <laughs> like one of those like, did the Nets win tonight? You know, did Ben Simmons hit a three tonight? It's you know, for me, it's it's like here's Kyrie's awesome stat line. No, by the way, the Nets lost. As anytime there's there's drama or a negative article, I feel like I'm I'm putting this out almost as a, I'm 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 pandering to the people because I know that Celtics fans this year can mutually enjoy all the great things that are happening in Boston early in the season. And of course, everybody is rooting as vigorously against the Nets as they did even when chasing draft picks, maybe more so because of just the the hate, the vitriol for uh for Kyrie at this point. Let's talk about him for a couple of minutes before I let you go. One thing that came up in a, uh, I think it was Jackie McMullen's article the other day, uh, at least wasn't, maybe you knew this, it wasn't highly publicized though, uh, I think it came as news for a lot of fans, was that Kyrie actually had informed Danny Gange during his exit interview that he was going to be leaving and heading to Brooklyn. Danny was asked about that on uh, 98.5 The Sports Hub a couple days ago, if, if in fact that was true. 
Kyrie was forthright. I mean, his version and my version might be a little bit different, but it's pretty close. And I think that I hold no grudges against Kyrie. Kyrie, you know, he didn't slam the door on a potential return, but um, he did let me know that he would prefer to go home. Those were the words that he used, and so I, I mean, we had we for sure had an inkling, but there was no. He didn't. He didn't slam the door on the possibility of returning to Boston. So there was a lot of hot air spent over the course of the summer, you know, speculating. I was one of the people that believed he would come back. Clearly, you know, looked like an idiot for that. Was this news to you, though, or or did you kind of speculated it went that far back? Yeah, I mean, there. It's hard to say the exact timing of it. You know, it's a lot of, especially months later, people have different memories of various points. But my, I think Danny kind of throughout the summer was very adamant leading up to free agency that like it was still anything could happen and all that. So if he came out now and was like, yeah, I knew in May, that would show that he wasn't really telling us the truth the whole time. (laughs) Um, So I think within the organization, there was certainly a pretty big belief that Kyrie was planning to leave. Maybe they held out hope until the end. Maybe they thought if whatever, they talked to him and brought Anthony Davis. And I think, I think that probably was the big, thing that Celtics were hoping like all right look we know he's probably trying to leave but if we get Anthony Davis we can go back to him a second time and be like hey like look at this team we have right now get let's run it back and give it another shot but obviously that did not happen really seems like from a distance this is this has been such a like the honeymoon period is over in Brooklyn Kevin Durant's not even healthy yet just in terms of of the reporting and we all knew like oh well if you had a tough time with the Boston media wait until the New York media you know gets at you because you already had a almost a repeat of the Orlando situation last year where, you know, we were talking about Tatum taking that shot, Tatum taking a shot, Gordon Hayward, the inbound, basically the same thing just happened in uh, the Brooklyn. I think it was Detroit game with Joe Harris and, you know, another player, whoever it was for the Nets with a fake that was supposed to go to Kyrie. He got all pissy about it because the decision instead went to another guy and he wanted his shot. Didn't happen. The reports again, going back to Jackie's article of mood swings and that type of thing. And are you surprised that it has gone to this place? Not in general. I don't think anyone's surprised by that, but so quickly. Um, so that part of it's hard to say because he's in, under such a microscope. And I honestly feel for the guy sometimes. Like I think it was DeAndre Jordan that came out and was like, "Look, like find me an NBA player who isn't having mood swings at some point." Obviously, it hasn't been the best start for them as a team. But Kyrie is playing pretty darn well. They've lost a couple of games they could have won. You know, they don't have as talented of a roster as Kyrie had when he was with the Celtics like I don't think anyone was expecting them to surge to the top of the Eastern Conference especially without Kevin Durant this year I think the the issue if you're Brooklyn is you're starting to see like that snowball form like it from outwardly aside from reports coming out that things are bad like you don't see within the team this and I don't watch the Nets every single day but you don't see like this frustration with Kyrie or big concerns with Kyrie you listen to Kenny Atkinson. He's like, look, he's been great. Like, are, is everything going as we hoped it would so far? No, but, like, I don't have issues with Kyrie. But there does feel like there's that initial snowball starting to form. And I think if you're a Nets fan, that's you'd kind of be leery of based more on what's happened in the past. 
For those who are curious, and this will be the last cut that I play. Of course, Kenny Atkinson was asked about it and are said, "Are cuts a new thing, by the way? I, I feel like I, I feel like I haven't heard those on your show before." You know, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're new I'm, or or, or new to you anyway. Maybe it's you know, maybe it's just been too long since we've been able to yeah, do <laughs> do this type of thing. We, yeah, <laughs> I like to only bug you every so often. Keep the keep the rotation okay. big so that uh, you know no, people nice, don't get annoyed. Uh, it's a nice little addition. I like it. Well, I appreciate that. Hopefully, people will at least for you know maybe one final time for a little while not mind hearing from Kyrie. I know a lot of people were were happy that they weren't anymore, but here's what he had to say about the report of his mood swings. Who cares what ESPN says or anyone says? Like, I love myself. I love my family. I love my friends. I love playing basketball. I'm grateful to do it every day. That's going to come with being one of the top players history has shown. You can be the best teammate ever. Someone's still going to say something negative about what you're doing and how you approach your life and that can be the importance, you know. If you allow that to infiltrate or get you emotionally invested or respond emotionally, you're going to be right where they want you to be. So, you know, I kind of expect that at this point. Human beings have mood swings. <laughs> like you go home and you're, you're not happy with things or you're mad at something and you're happy. That's a mood swing. <laughs> it's okay to be human. Like I don't have to be perfect for anyone here, nor do I have to be perfect for the public. So I'm not here to dispel any perception. I'm just here to be myself. I think that is a pretty good example, too, of the type of stuff we heard over the last couple of years from Kyrie. I'm not going to ask you, it wouldn't be fair to ask you, if, uh, you know, how you got along with him, if you liked him, any of that. What I am going to ask you is hearing a cut like that, following the story, the stuff we spent the last few minutes talking about, just as a reporter, as a journalist, are you kind of happy that you don't have to cover that anymore? Honestly, listening to that answer... I kind of like agreed with him. Like, so, like obviously, I, again, it's hard to comment on this much without being in Brooklyn every day. But it did. Like, look, it's a mood swing, you know. Like, and if he, who knows the extent of them or what he's referring to or what Jackie is referring to. But like, I almost had a sense of like, all right, like, give the guy a break for a second here. To be honest, um, it wasn't like there was like these huge events that took place that called for. Massive criticism. It's like, all right, this guy's been pretty moody. Oh, he was a bit of a bit tough to deal with during in China. All right, and again, if if he didn't have his portfolio of kind of frustrating teams and fans in the past, I would think the things that have been brought up wouldn't. No one would even care. Um, But everyone's on such high alert, looking for that first sign. I think that's more what you're seeing take place. As far as me covering Kyrie, like there were. They were good and bad. Like, we talk about it. Like, like, the great thing covering Kyrie is that, like, whatever you wrote about him, whether he was dominating or going through a stretch, like, people wanted to read it. And as a journalist, like, that's what you want. Kyrie, the way – I think the word we use is Kyrie has the juice, and he does. <laughs> like, the fact that we're still talking about him on this show, like, months later. Um, so you kind of – you know, there's, as, a, as a writer, that's what you want. Of course, you, you miss things like that. Are there times where he would give, like, a 400-word answer that I was trying to – on deadline, figure out what he was talking about and be like, man, I wish it was like simpler. Like, of course, sometimes that would give me a headache as well. Yeah, Kyrie equals content. There's no question about it. And I, I know that uh, people are, are just want to celebrate the good and forget about the bad and move on. I appreciate that, which is why, you know, we're not going to harp on this and why we did obviously most of the good that is going on with this team. So here's hoping it's a good, successful road trip that we'll be able to talk about on the back end of that. Adam, I always appreciate you hopping on and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll do it again soon. There'll be more cuts for you to hear in the future. Yeah, well, now I'm expecting some other big upgrade. Like now I, now I, heard the cuts, <laughs> I want something else. Maybe like a theme song. 
idea. Adam Hibblesbach of the Boston Globe. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Awesome stuff there from Adam, and I, I do genuinely hope that the Kyrie stuff is is not annoying to you. I know on you know on Twitter and Twitter's Twitter, right? It, it feels like a, a a loud minority. In reality, it's it's not that many people, I guess, in, in the scope of how many people might listen to the show. I don't know, but you have you know people that just like I said before, just want to move on. They're tired. It's, it's exhaustive to hear about, to read about, to think about. And then other people are saying, this, you know, this is my favorite movie of the year 2019. Keep it up. Every little bad thing that happens with Kyrie Irving, I want to know about it. I don't know how you feel. Personally, I am interested. And it's not to dump on the guy, crap on the guy, wish him ill will, anything like that. I just find him polarizing. I find him fascinating when he's good, when he's bad. You know, when if I send a tweet that says, Kyrie Irving dropped 50 points tonight. Nets lost in overtime. It's one of those presented without comment. <laughs> you can interpret that however you want. Am I crapping on Kyrie Irving by saying that? If, if that's what you think, go ahead and believe that. Really, though, it's just noting that, hey, this guy is still a hell of a basketball player. He's a ton of fun to watch. And one man doesn't make a team successful, even if that man is LeBron James, whose Lakers missed the playoffs last year. He can make all the difference in the right setting with the right supporting cast. We thought that was the case in Boston the last couple of years for Kyrie Irving. Turns out it wasn't. We were wrong, most of us. I certainly was. But at least this year, maybe next year to a certain degree, because then Kevin Durant will be healthy. But at least this year, Kyrie Irving is part of the narrative. His time in Brooklyn correlates directly with what goes on here in Boston. They don't necessarily go hand-in-hand, Unless they play head-to-head. But the contrast of Kemba versus Kyrie, that's a thing. Like it or not, we're going to be talking about that all throughout the year. This show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 to get a 50% bonus. Thanks again to Adam, to uh, Evan Valenti, my producer, Nick, Larry, John, everybody at CLNS Media. Of course, you, we always welcome your feedback. You can get me on Twitter, at Adam M. Kaufman. You can subscribe to the show, Celtics Beat, on iTunes. Leave a review, leave a rating, leave whatever it is. Most importantly, subscribe. We appreciate that. And uh, you can subscribe to the CLNS Media Network YouTube page as well. Shows get posted there, a whole lot of other content, locker room sound, interviews, after practices, beforehand, games, certainly all of it. So get involved, be part of the party. And, of course, like I said, subscribe. We always appreciate it. New shows every single Sunday or Monday as of late. And uh, hopefully after this road trip, there'll be more Gino coming up at the Garden. That guy that you get to listen to right there. Just good to have him back. Good to have the C's back. 